Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. And uh, I want to share with you a message today. Is that all right? Is, is it okay if I just preach a little bit today to you? I mean, not get too carried away because it's Easter, but but just just share with you what the Lord's laid on my heart. Okay. I heard an old, old story of how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning and his precious blood's atoning. And I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for that today? Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Amen. Listen, listen, I, I, heard, I heard an old, old story. Have you heard the story? Have you heard the story of how a Savior came from glory? Listen, you've got to understand, not an ordinary man. Not an ordinary man was this Jesus of Nazareth whom we reference so often. He didn't come in the world in the usual way, but he was conceived of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. David said, behold, in iniquity did my mother conceive me. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. He was conceived in purity. He was conceived in light. He was born sinless. He lived a sinless life. He was a wise teacher. He was a miracle worker, a man who could walk on the water, give sight to the blind, cause the lame to walk again, the deaf to hear, and even called the dead back to life again. He could speak to the wind and the waves and they would obey his voice. He could feed the multitude with just a few morsels of fish and bread. He was very God of God. As Paul writes to the church at Philippi and says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation in taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Here's this grand and glorious Savior. John says that he is God incarnate, that he took on the form of humanity and he dwelt among us. He's a glorious Savior. 
in him in him was all the fullness of the godhead bodily you've got to understand this today you've got to get a hold of that very thing there before we can move forward before we can revel before we can celebrate and the reason we've come here to celebrate today you've got to understand that it wasn't just an ordinary man it was God in the flesh and he came and he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me when I was unable when I was unable to do anything about my situation, the situation that I was in, the bondage of sin in my life, the, the vices, the addictions, the pain, the suffering, when I was unable, centuries of time, God looked ahead and he saw my need. He not only saw my need, but he loved me. And the word says, for God so loved this world. God so loved you. God so loved me that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Paul writes to the church at Rome and says this, but God demonstrates his love towards you and I in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What he died for? He died to pay my penalty. He died for the wrong I had done. He died for the sins I had committed. He died for the weight and the burden and the bondage that I was under. And this grand, glorious Savior, God incarnate, conceived of the Spirit, living a sinless life, Paul continues writing to the Philippian church and says that he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. It wasn't the Roman soldier that took Jesus' life. It wasn't the Pharisees that took Jesus' life. It wasn't any counsel. It wasn't the result of any foe trial here on this earth that took Jesus' life. It wasn't the lies. It wasn't the false accusations. It wasn't any of the vehement hatred towards him as he suffered for us here on this earth that he died. Jesus said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down for the love of you and I today. It was love that constrained him and caused him to offer his life to pay the ransom for mine, to satisfy the penalty of sins so that I could live a life of freedom. From the cross to the tomb. And from the tomb, three days until the resurrection. And witnesses came back and they brought this word to the disciples. This Jesus, this very God incarnate that we walked with, that we saw walk on the water, heal the blind, the deaf, the mute, the lame, the raise the dead back to life again and turn the water into wine. This Jesus that we saw bleed and die and suffer for the sin of humanity and we saw him bound and we saw him laid in a borrowed tomb. 
we went down to the garden today. I mean, if I have some news and you just can't wait to get back home to let everybody know what you know. Mm. We do love to be the bearers of news, don't we? Sometimes I tell Pastor Lisa, I said, well, I can't tell that. She said, why not? I said, because there's so many people that love to tell news that it'll beat me to where I'm going. It'll be out there before I'm ready. Got to hold on to it. <laughs> Mary came back and she found Peter and the other disciples. She said, I went down to the garden today. And there was a, there was a man arrayed in white and the glory of God shone around about him and he said to me he said why are you seeking the living among the dead because he's not here he is risen he is risen and the word says that on, and a response to that word of resurrection that Peter who had failed so miserably, Peter, who had faltered, Peter, who had stood so boldly and so brashly and said, Lord, if everybody denies you, I won't deny you. Yet when the cock crowed, Peter had denied the Lord three times, just the way Jesus said that he would. He had failed, he had fallen, he was broken, he was sinful, he was undone. He was living under the weight of condemnation. Now, even though he had seen Jesus do all these miracles, even though he had seen Jesus die on a cross, he was still there with the condemnation of his sin. Because Peter had not only heard the story, Peter had lived the story. Peter was there as Jesus was performing all these miracles. Peter was there when Jesus taught. Peter was there for the deliverances. Peter was there. He saw it all. But even to this point, even to this juncture right here, it's all kind of theoretical. It's just a concept. It's a religious construct. It's something, it's a creed, it's a statement, it's a, it's a faith statement, but it, it's not really valid just yet. Because after all, maybe, maybe I didn't see things, maybe I was just caught up in the euphoria of the moment and I didn't really see things the way that I thought I was seeing things. Maybe I didn't see him walking on, maybe I... Y'all know how that goes, right? You're just, you're just all in the excitement of the moment, and then after it's over, it's the, the, the enemy comes along and says, maybe, maybe you just didn't see things the way that you thought you saw things. Maybe he was just a good teacher. Because I want to tell you something. There's been a lot of good people sacrificed their lives and martyrdom for a lot of good causes. And the fact that they died just makes them dead. That's it. But there's only been one man. 
that has ever given his life for a cause that three days later he rose from the grave to validate the truth of everything that he had said to make sure the promises that had been issued and Peter had lived this story, but up to this point, it was all kind of theoretical. Was Jesus really who he claimed to be? Were the things that he did as I remembered, or have I imagined something different? And as Peter's standing there, the word says that Peter ran. Peter ran back to the tomb. And as Peter's standing in an empty tomb, there's a new sense of validation of the words of Jesus. And he said, as, as he, he, it takes on a new sense, a new reality, as he remembers Jesus saying, these things have I spoken to you that you may have my peace because in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome this world. Every promise has been, you understand here in this moment, every promise has been validated. The victory has been guaranteed. The promise has been, the power has been granted that at the name of Jesus, he is the resurrection and the life. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. And there is certainly a power in hearing the story. There's a power in hearing the story understand I'm not trying to negate the power of hearing the story but I want to tell you something today church you can walk in and out of churches for the rest of your life you can sit on church pews until there is an impression of your backside permanently affixed to the seat cushion and you can know the Bible from front to cover you can know every word from Genesis to maps There's a value in hearing the word. Paul writes to the Roman church and says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Paul writes to the Corinthian church and says, for since in the wisdom of God through the world through wisdom did not know God and it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe there's a value in heralding the old old story and telling it one more time And I'm telling you again this morning to refresh your hearts and to awaken your spirits and to renew your minds and to refresh your focus on the reality that you don't have to live under the bond of sin. You don't have to live under the weight of shame. You don't have to live in the bonds of guilt today because there is a Savior who has come and has given his life as a ransom for your sins and mine. But there's a vast difference. There's a vast difference between knowing about something and experiencing something for yourself. Have you heard the story? That's not rhetorical. Have you heard the story? I'm a hollaback preacher. When I say something, I want you to holler back. Because if you don't holler back, I'm going to feel like you're not getting it. 
and what was really intended to be about 35 minutes will be three and a half hours so you better get with it and help a brother preach have you heard the story hey have you experienced the resurrected Savior because there's a there's a big difference between hearing the story and knowing the verses and experiencing the life-changing power of the resurrected Christ because it doesn't matter how much you know about the story Paul said that knowledge puffs up but when you get in touch with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the resurrected Savior of the world I'm telling you that things begin to change everything changes see here's the problem with much of Christianity and I don't like pointing out the problems very often because I tell my team sometimes any ding dong can point to the problem that doesn't take a lot of that doesn't take a lot of sense anybody can point out the problem but I want to share with you the problem and then I'm going to show you the solution today and I believe that the problem with much of Christianity is that we've heard the story. We may have even said a prayer or two, but the story in our minds ends in a very cinematic fashion. We see the angels at Christmas time. We hear the voice of the angel saying, Mary, fear not. We hear about the shepherds and the wise men and we see all of the surroundings around the cattle stall there as Jesus is being born. We live through those silent years and then we see Jesus as a young man and we see Jesus at his first miracle and then we see a succession of great things that he does and finally we see him suffering and dying and then we fast forward to the, to the empty tomb and we see Jesus standing there in radiant light with the glory of God shining around him and then the credits begin to roll and the inscription comes across the screen and they all lived happily ever after but the truth of the matter is that we all live as if that's where the story ends that it that it ends in this big cinematic dramatic fashion and that Jesus is still there standing beside an empty tomb and he's over there and we're over here but I'm telling you something today the word says that where two or three are gathered in his name there he is in the midst of them I'm telling you today church that there is a resurrected savior not to be learned about not to be heard about but to be experienced and to be inter interacted with and to change everything about your life listen the story is not 
for the sake of you knowing the story. The story is to lead you to, a, to discover a person, and that person is a resurrected Savior who desires to fellowship with you and to fulfill you and to satisfy your life with good things. That person is a resurrected Savior who desires to heal your broken heart and to erase the lies of the adversary and wipe away that storyline of despair that has been written all over your life. It is to give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and to turn your weeping into dancing. Peter said, Peter said, let me run to the tomb because while I enjoyed the company of a man who said he was going to secure my eternity and offer himself as a sacrifice for my sins so that I could be freed and forgiven of my sins, as far as I know, it all ended over there with an occupied tomb. But the tomb is empty and everything changes. And if I were to counsel you today, I'd say to you, run, run, run to the resurrected Savior today. You need to give Jesus the broken pieces of your heart. You need to give Jesus the anger, the hurt, the anxiety that you feel inside. Make that great exchange with him. You need to give Jesus the failures of yesterday and watch him transform your life into something beautiful where ugliness did abound. Paul, Paul was a religious zealot he was bent on the destruction of the church, consenting to the death of the followers of Jesus. But when he experienced the resurrected Lord on the road to Damascus, he was blinded by the light of his glory. But when he opened his eyes, he received sight again, and he found that he was viewing the world through an entirely different perspective than before. You may have lived defeated, but Jesus is here today to give you a perspective of victory. You may have lived confused, but Jesus is here today to give you a perspective of clarity. You may have, been, you may have lived believing that you weren't worth the air that you were breathing or the space you're occupying, but Jesus is here to show you today that you have been loved with an everlasting love. This world may have labeled you a nobody, but in the economy of God's kingdom, Jesus died to make you a joint heir with Jesus Christ of a heavenly kingdom and a heavenly inheritance. Jesus is here to show you that you've been given a future and a hope today. Mm. The writer to the Hebrews suggests to us that because of the resurrection of Jesus and his subsequent ascension into heaven where he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, you and I can experience a whole new confidence in this life seeing that we have such a great high priest. The word says, seeing then that we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we know we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. I'm telling you something, church, in this world that is shaken with despair and adversity, you need somewhere solid to stand. You you need a space where you can be confident. You need a place where you can stand grounded in the truth of the word of God and it's in the Jesus that we serve. It's in a resurrected Savior today. But you can't know it until you've experienced him. You can know about it. You can see other people with it. 
You might know that your daddy had it. You might know that your grandmama told you about it. You may have seen your neighbor in the church with it. But until you have experienced the resurrected Savior, you don't know anything about it. You don't have the fullness of it until you've experienced the resurrected Christ. It's just theory. It's a good story. Tell it again. But when you experience the resurrected Christ, oh, mm -hmm. there were a couple of disciples that were walking on their way home. I'm telling you, if we could put ourselves somewhere between the Passover and the resurrection, and, and we, could, we could hear ringing in our spirit all of the promises of this man named Jesus, and all of the great things that he said and all of the miracles that he did and all of the hope that we had built up in him and then the last thing that we can remember was seeing him groaning out his very last breath on a cross dying subjectively at the hands of mankind if we could just put ourselves in that place and walk out of that town with him laying in a borrowed tomb couple of disciples are having this experience and they're walking home they're walking back to a town called Emmaus and along the way the the resurrected Jesus catches up to them and joins them there on their journey and he begins to speak with them and you may have been to church all your life and you may say, I've never felt the presence of God. I've, I've never known anything about the presence of the Lord. I've never felt the fire of God burning in my bones. I've never, I've never experienced that before. I'm telling you, it's because you have not yielded yourself to the presence of the Lord. It's because you've not spread your hands out before God and said, welcome, Holy Spirit. Have your way in me. I won't be ashamed of you. If you want me to shout, I'll shout. If you want me to speak in in tongues I'll speak in tongues if you want me to wave my hands and clap and shout glory to God I'm gonna do it but I want you to have your way in my life but Jesus joins them along that route and he's walking with them and he's talking with them and then after Jesus moves away from them the men say to each other did our hearts not burn within us when he spoke as he spoke was there not something going on on the inside of us I want to tell you something when you come into this place when you come into this place Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and and maybe you come in here and, and, and you look at me and you say geez what is wrong with this guy I mean why don't he stand in one place why is he so loud I had somebody come to me one time they said, they said pastor I feel like you'd be more effective if you'd watch your tone I said, girl, let me tell you something. I got a fire shut up in my bones, and it's going to get even worse the next time, okay? So 
You want to go to the first church of the chosen frozen? There's plenty around, girl, but it ain't here. My God is alive. And, and all the people around you right now that are shouting amen, they're not doing so because this word excites them. They're doing so because this word is fanning a fire in their hearts that was ignited on the day that they opened their lives to fellowship with a resurrected Savior. And when you've experienced the resurrected Jesus, that message that you heard on Sunday, it's going to be something. It's not going to be something boring that you had to endure. The Bible reading isn't going to be a matter of habit. It's going to be life, and it's going to be fire shut up in your bones. And until, until you too experience the resurrected Savior, this whole idea of death for the atonement, a victorious life, a life where favor and blessing are possible, it's all theoretical. That doesn't mean it's not true. Understand. Saying, what are you saying, Pastor, that I've got to believe it for the word? No, some people say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, your belief has nothing to do with it. God said it, that settles it. So it doesn't make it any less true. But until you open your heart and your life to the resurrected Savior, it doesn't become real. It's not a reality in your life. And when you realize there's a brokenness and an emptiness in your life and, and you're yearning and you're longing for satisfaction, you've got to understand maybe you've heard the story, maybe you've built your hopes and dreams on the story only to watch them as the disciples did die a painful and agonizing death. Hope seems lost. Happiness is gone. But when you experience the resurrected Savior, you begin to dream again. Hope is reborn in your life again. And when you couple the truth of the gospel with the guarantee that comes from knowing that we're not serving an idol on a shelf we're not worshiping a dead religious relic but we're serving a risen savior that still changes life it's going to make a difference for you i want you to stand with me i want you to stand with me all over this congregation And I want to read you this very simple verse. Two verses. Can, can you give me two verses? Can you give me two verses? Paul said, all the things that I thought were gain." Everything that the world had set before me as the model of success, of, of stature in the community and, 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 and wealth and prosperity and knowledge and affluence and all those things, all the things that I counted as gain, I now consider them refuse, garbage, trash for the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus as a matter of fact he continues on there and he says oh that I may know him in the power of his resurrection 
in just a moment I'm going to invite you to something and I want you to understand this I'm not inviting you to a dead religious exercise I'm not inviting you to a form I'm not inviting you to a rite I'm not inviting you to a ritual I'm inviting you to a relationship with a resurrected Savior because in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 John records these words and he says this behold I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and will open the door I will come in to him and I will dine with him and he with me and today maybe you've heard the story but you've never experienced the resurrected Savior I'm telling you there's a resurrected Jesus in this place today and he's knocking on the door of his of your heart he's wanting you to turn your sorrow into joy give you beauty for ashes peace for anxiety blessing and favor in a world that is so bent on taking from you and robbing away from you Would you know him today in the power of his resurrection? Some people go through this little thing and they, every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody's looking around. And I understand all of that. I understand the sanctity of the moment and I would, I would encourage you in the same. But not for the sake of secrecy this morning, but just for the just for the sake of making available a space and an atmosphere where people can be honest. But then they have you slip up a hand and they pray for you right where you're standing. And I know you may say, well, Pastor, what you're getting ready to say next is a little old-fashioned. I, I understand that got you but you've got to understand as we're here we've been through the passion week and we've seen Jesus suffer we've seen him bleed and die we've seen nails driven through his hands and his feet we've seen lashes on his back we've seen a spear thrust in his side and we've seen him hang naked on the cross don't tell me that you're ashamed in this moment to come and stand before a congregation of people and say to Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. He was not ashamed to hang naked on a cross for me and I will not be ashamed to claim him as my king in this moment. So in this moment, I want to just remind you, every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's looking around if you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I believe that the Savior of the world is knocking on my heart's door right now. I, I feel something in my spirit. I feel something that I, I, I haven't felt in a long time or I've never felt before, and I don't really know how to identify it, but I know there's something different here right now. I feel, I feel like there's a tug on my heart right now in this moment. If that's you, would you just slip a hand up wherever you are? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands all over this place. Now I want to ask you for one more thing. And there's no judgment in this house. 
there's no judgment in this house because every one of us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if they're up here singing songs or if I'm up here preaching or whatever. There's been a moment in time when I was just as lost and undone as anybody else in this room. There's absolutely no judgment. But in a moment, there's going to be an eruption of celebration and praise because I'm going to invite you, every one of you that lifted your hands, I'm going to invite you right now in just a moment to step out from where you are and come and make your way to this altar. We want to celebrate with you today that there, you too now have a new name written down in glory. And it's yours by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is yours. It is yours. It is yours. Now maybe you need to make preparation. Go ahead ahead and look over at your neighbor and say, would you excuse me for a minute? I've got a little business to take care of. And I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I'm telling you all, there were hands raised all across this sanctuary right now. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's a rededication, whatever it is. Right now, on the count of three, I want you to get out. And when they get out and start coming, I want you to praise God with everything you've got. I want you to give glory to God. I want you to shout and praise. Come on, come on, church. One, two, three. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, come on, there were others, there were others, come on. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.